Welcome back. Richard, it's, it's good to see you again. Nice to be seen. No, it's good to see you too, even if it's uh, by video only. That's right. But um, today we're going we're gonna to kind of talk a little bit about that because today we're going to talk about the anxiety that so many people are feeling um, over getting what they have been wanting for so long. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit ironic. You know, we've been, we've been hoping and praying and waiting for this for over a year. And suddenly, at least in this country, we're close to achieving. <laughs> we're, we're, we're allowed to go out again. We're close to it, looking at the end, maybe at the end of this thing. And all of a sudden, it's making people a little bit anxious. You know, now what do we do? You know, be careful what you wish for sort of feeling in the air. Yes, my but there is this buzz in the air that maybe the cloud is lifting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the, um, and it's a, a fascinating, you know, thing to watch um, and, yeah. and experience with our patients because we are, we're, we're talking to them and, and working with them and we have been through this whole, the whole pandemic and everything. And yeah. all along, you know, they've been talking about so many people have talked about wanting to get back to normals, to stop wearing masks, to, you know, to be able to go where we want to go and do what we want to do. And, and now that those opportunities are starting to, to surface, um, there, it, is in, it is fascinating how many people are really experiencing a lot of distress about this. They're, they're That's right. <laughs> who haven't driven. You know, there, there are people who haven't driven in a year. Exactly. You know, everything right. delivered. And now they're just, and it's, it's interesting how much anxiety there is about that. Yeah, we, and we've replaced these phrases like, um, where, you know, I, I have to wear a mask. Okay. Mm -hmm. Every place we went for a year, I have to wear a mask. Now it's, well, where do I wear my mask? Right. You know, not, not whether I wear it, but where, where am I supposed to wear it? Um, and we said, well, you're allowed to go out. You're allowed to, if you have two, if you have the two doses of the vaccine, you're allowed to go. Well, but am I allowed to, how big is the room when they say, don't be in a, how, how big a room am I allowed to be in? And right. who's allowed to be there? And is and there's all these questions that, right. that come with reopening that none of us, I don't think any of us anticipated. Well, one of the, one of the elementary schools that I work at is at has summer is doing is hosting summer school mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. for elementary stu students. And, um, you know, we were told that through, for the rest of this school year, we had everybody on campus was supposed to wear masks. Um, and so, but the big question was, okay, is summer school considered this past school year or is it <laughs> school year? And so there was a big thing. And just as the school year ended and, and just before summer school started, there was mm -hmm. a board meeting and now they're saying that, um, you don't have to, you don't have to wear there. What did they say? They were optional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can wear them if you, if you want, if you feel mm -hmm. more comfortable wearing them, but if you, if you you don't have to. And so you have the same situation. If you have children of school age, it's okay. I can't send my kids back to school. And this year it's going to be, is it really safe to send my kids back to school? Because no one's going to be masked right. or a few people will be masked. And you, and then you have to decide, do I send my child back? Um, do I send my child back with a mask? You know, how do, how do I do this? So there, there are all these questions now that are, are confronting uh, confronting us as we reopen. Absolutely. And even though the vaccinations, again, here, here in the United States, at least, um, we're, we're giving out lots of vaccinations every day, millions right. every day. Mm -hmm. uh, and in a, a large percentage of our population, 
is fully vaccinated. Right. Um, you know, we're hoping that this is that we're approaching that end that, that you were talking about before. Um, but again, just that, that, that anxiety, we, we hear the report about um, new variants um, popping up in different places. The, right. the uh, what is it? The Delta variant. Delta variant. Right. Mm-hmm. No. And there's so much stress about that. Okay. So do we need to be careful of that or do we, um, you know, is our vaccinations going to protect us from those variants as well? And, and there's so many unknowns. Right. Yeah. The vaccines were, were the great um, changer. That's what really changed everything with the vaccines. And in our country, we're given, as you said, uh, about 3 million doses a day uh, of the vaccine. Um, whereas, uh, and so we, vac- we have about 42% of the U.S. citizens have had both doses. The reason both doses are important is because the new variant, the Delta variant, you're only going to get protection if you have both doses. So you're going to have to get the two, um, whether it's Moderna or Pfizer, in order to get protection against the Delta. Why? The Delta is important. We're seeing what's happening in India right now. We see this, India is going through this terrible surge, about 6,000 people a day. And um, our rate of vaccination, fully vaccinated is 42%. In India, it's three and a half percent. Okay, so so you can see the relationship between the vaccine and the um, the occurrence of the illness. Um, so the vaccines are working, but they're only going to work if they're available. And and uh, t- right now, the G seven nations are meeting in uh, England, and um, one of the commitments they're making is is and especially I think I think the United States has taken the lead in this, is that we are going to be giving away millions of vaccines. Now, those vaccines have to get to those countries and then get distributed, but um, this is the way to beat the disease. And no matter who you talk to, they say the same thing. It's not enough. You can't isolate the United States with vaccines. Um, This is a worldwide pandemic. The Delta variant, and and a variant is just a a change, a tiny change in the structure, we, we're pretty sure that the vaccine, that to be fully vaccinated will protect you from it because the Delta vaccine, there's about, I mean, the Delta variant, there are about five variants circulating in the world right now. Delta is the one we hear most about because it is in England, it is in India, it is now in the UK and the UK could possibly be facing another shutdown this summer, another lockdown this summer. And it is in two states. I think it's in Arizona and Georgia. I think the two states in the United States now has the Delta variant. So for all the people who don't want to get vaccinated, they're once again at risk. And, right. and we can spread that variant of this, at least the unvaccinated. And we're talking about, what, 48% of the country isn't vaccinated yet. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that um, two pieces to it is that um, one is that variants are not abnormal. I mean, e- even with the, with the flu, you know, every year we get, uh, you know, so many people get the flu vaccine, but yeah, some people still get the flu. And, and that's because the vaccine is really only for one variant of, of the uh, influenza. Right. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes we catch the other variant. Right. Um, and, the, and the reason, the reason we get a flu shot every year is every year you're dealing with a little different variant of the flu. And so that's why you're encouraged. So you're getting a the vaccine is a little bit different each year, depending on what kind of flu we're going to be um, facing. Absolutely. And yeah. the other thing that I think we have to be mindful of, because we'll see so many different numbers um, as it relates to the number of people who have been vaccinated. 
because um, remember, every time that we sort of expand the the people who are allowed to get the vaccine, mm-hmm. we're, we're increasing the number of possible vaccines. And so right. when we talk about 47%, we're, <laughs> that now includes um, younger adults and, and right. teenagers. Mm-hmm. Now they are eligible to get the vaccine. So, um, you know, that the, you'll see the, the percentage of people who are fully vaccinated go up and down, but it has to do with what population or what group of people you're talking about. So, right. um, you know, and the other interesting thing, the other interesting legal question is, you know, can people be forced to be vaccinated by the workplace? And that is working its way through case law. And there was a case settled last week, uh, a large hospital in Texas. And the judge, the about a hundred staff members were saying, um, you can't terminate us if we don't get vaccinated. And the judge threw out that case and said, no, they, they have a right um, to terminate you. Um, you know, you've been told that this is a condition of returning to work and they have a right to do that. So, but, but there'll be other cases in other states and, I don't know whether that will go to the Supreme Court or not, because the workers are going to challenge their finding. But um, it's, it remains a complicated um, issue. Um, so, um, so while the vaccine, while the vaccinations have, have, have finally presented us with what might be the light at the end of the tunnel with this pandemic, it's only true for the United States right now and other countries who have, it under, have the pandemic under control. Um, and it's only, um, it's only available, it's only going to work where um, the vaccines are available, okay? And despite the fact that we're probably turning a corner, it's not always easy, it's not going to be easy, we're learning, it's not always going to be easy to adjust to what we have um, frequently referred to as the new normal. Right. When we talk, there was no can't be new if it's, you know. Um, and so uh, we're finding that it's, it's not going to be easy um, adjusting to um, the post-pandemic conditions. You know, in Florida, we have cru- the whole cruise ship controversy. You know, would you take a cruise right now? Yeah. Um, I, you, know, that's, that's, you know, we'd like to, but should we? And yeah. so I think every state is facing those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the American Psychological Association recently um, did a survey and they found that about half the people who responded feel uneasy about that readjustment Um, in in person, face to face um, interactions. Um, And, you know, we get questions from patients often about, you know, when are we coming back to face to face? And you know, there are, it's again, a very interesting study of, of, of human behavior to look at. There are people and therapists who, who go right out and um, they're already face to face going back. And there's many of us who are, you know, still doing virtual. Um, there, are people, there are parents who um, are adamant that their kids are going to remain in e-learning, um, virtual, virtual learning. And there are those who are ready to get their kids back into school. Um, and so that, that, <laughs> is pretty um, significant and, and people feel very strongly about their position. Um, but again, the APA found that half of the people who were surveyed said that they felt uneasy about it. Right, and this, this came as a bit of a surprise, I think, to both of us when, you know, because we, we have such um, enthusiasm for reopening, for being able to go out again. 
and being able to go to restaurants or to go to theme parks or uh, just to be able to be with other people again. And we assumed that there would be this euphoria, like the war is over kind of euphoria where there's dancing in the street. Um, and yet here's this um, anxiety now about, well, wait a minute, I, I very much want to, but am I really safe? And so it's created anxiety. And this is what the APA um, poll found is that, um, yeah, a lot of people are feeling, feeling pretty anxious about exactly how do I re-enter? Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And so, and so what this is triggering in many people is uh, a lot of stress um, and some anxiety as it relates to this transition. And, right. um, and so, one of the things we want to talk about in the podcast is, is you know, what is driving that anxiety and how, what we need to do to, to deal with it and to, right. to cope with that anxiety so that we can make this adjustment and get back to, um, you know, li living life as fully as possible. Right. Right. And getting back to doing those things that we've missed right. for the past year. Right. And so the, the podcast, much as the first part of this podcast is based on a conversation, sort of an interview that um, APA did with um, um, Ellen Hendrickson, yeah. who is a PhD in Boston University Center for Anxiety and Related Disorders. And she happens to be an expert um, in um, anxiety and especially interventions for anxiety. And so APA went to the expert and said, hey, wait a minute, can you, can you explain? Can we talk to you um, about the anxiety associated with uh, reopening after the pandemic. And so the first part of this comes from that interview with her. Yeah. And, and um, I think that, you know, as it starts, you know, talking about what, what drives anxiety, where, where does anxiety right. come from? And, and anxiety is different than stress, right? Stress is right. a normal, common needed mm -hmm. um, experience that we have to, that lets us know that something is, worrisome that we need to do something right when, when you're stressed about a test that you have to take uh, that that stress is sort of telling you that this is something important you need to take some action um mm -hmm. feeling stress about um a trip you have to take um you, you know it's telling you that you need to be prepared and that you need to, to do these things right. anxiety is, is different anxiety is um but because that stress is about something real um, something that's mm -hmm. actually happening. Um, it's like fear. You know, if, if there's a, if there's a snake in front of you, that's a fear is a real thing because that mm -hmm. snake is really there. A anxiety is, is something much less tangible. It, it's something that is more anticipatory. It's um, right. things that are uncertain that we don't really, that we can't really um, put our hands on, but it's a very real sensation, very real experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Stress is, a, is an engineering term, you know, and there's a very real thing happening that could break the system. Um, anxiety, is, uh, uh, anxiety is a little bit different. Um, as you say, it's, it's a more generalized feeling uh, and, and not a specific stimulus creating the anxiety. Right. And so what Dr. Hendrickson says, the first question is, what's driving the anxiety? And she said, the main thing is uncertainty. And I thought that was a good place to begin because that's in, in this case, in the case of COVID, there was a great deal of uncertainty. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, uncertainty about 
um, who's it safe to be around? I, I went to the grocery right. store and, you know, I, I would say maybe at least half the people aren't wearing masks anymore. Do you wear, do you wear a mask when you go into the grocery store? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but most don't. I'm walking around and, and a lot of people didn't. And, and it's, um, you know, remember that uncertainty, that, that sort of self-consciousness that you had when you first, when we first started ha- wearing masks back right. in the right. You, you, if you, as soon as you start paying attention to that, you start feeling that again. It's like, wait, why am I the only one <laughs> wearing a mask? I mean, I still keep it on, of course, but right. um, but that's it's that that strange feeling because you know you don't know who has been vaccinated, who hasn't been vaccinated. Um, we we still don't even understand why some people get COVID and other people don't. You know, you can have a family of five people, one person gets it, and nobody else in the house. And how many, how many spouses, you know, you have to, to, you have a married couple, one gets it and one doesn't. Right. There's no explanation for that. I mean, I, we don't have one yet. Right. So the uncertainty comes from, first of all, you don't know who is and who isn't vaccinated. We're on an honor system. Somebody can say, yes, I'm vaccinated. Um, and they may not be um, because some people are, it depends where they are. Some people are embarrassed to say, no, I'm not going to get the vaccine. So they don't admit it. Um, and then the other question about why some people get it and some don't, is it really okay to return to the office? You know, people say, well, get ready. Um, I think Facebook announced yesterday that workers would be expected to return by, I think, July or some sometime this summer. And so prepare because you're coming back to the office. And, and the first question is, is it, is it really safe for me to return? Because that's going to be an enclosed space, which we've been told to avoid. For the past year. Um, and so is it really safe to return? I was looking this up the other day about reopening and the first two or three pages are all about advice about reopening offices. So this is a huge issue that companies are struggling with. How, how do we do workers and companies um, are struggling with this issue. Um, and then you have the other issue is, is the vaccine really enough to protect me? Am, am I really protected? How long does it last? And, and how long does it last? Right. Yeah. And, and, and then again, the whole thing with the masks and then and, and the variants, we talked about the variants earlier because that is, you know, that's going to be ever evolving because as, you know, as we talked about with the flu a few minutes ago, um, it is likely, it is probable that the virus is going to continue to evolve and, and, um, you mutate and it's going there's, so there's going to be other variants that come that pop up at different right. times um maybe every year um the way right. the flu does and so you know we're gonna have to stay on top of this and we have no idea what's going to happen um as it relates to our vaccinations and right yeah the, be, because the law the reason that Fauci and Biden and all these people are saying let's get everybody vaccinated is we have to snuff this thing out Okay, the longer that it circulates, the more likely it will mutate. That that's the whole problem here. Is that people say, "Well, I'm not going to get back." Okay, you're not. But that, that means the virus is allowed to continue circulating, even if it's even if it's in twenty or thirty percent of the population. The virus remains in circulation, and it's only a matter of time until it will change. It will mutate, and you're going to have a variant. And that's what happened in India. They had this Delta variant. It was first detected in December of 2020, so six months ago. 
it now represents 91% of the cases in the UK. So now it's not just India that's going to be affected, it's also the UK. It's only 6% of the cases in the United States, but if we get to 90% of cases, now we're talking about another pandemic, okay? This variant um, is much more lethal and causes much more severe medical problems. Um, 6,000 a day are dying in India. Um, and also they, you can get a rundown of the symptoms. It's a multi-system uh, problem. Um, almost every body system is affected. And one of the, one of the things they talk about is they, people get blood clots and those are dangerous, but also it's 60% more transmissible. So it's easier to get this one and it's far more, it causes far more illness and much higher death rates. So this is, um, we should be very careful, but it creates uncertainty because it, this variant is in the country and it's possible that we get other variants that are, the Delta variant isn't resistant to the vaccine, but you need both doses. So people who only have one are still uh, only 30% protection. Absolutely. And then, and then there's a whole, the whole issue of, um, you know, the, the, the myths and versus the facts related to, you know, kids. Um, right. That's right. That's a difficult one. To the age of 12. Um, and, and for those of us who work in elementary schools, you know, they, there's a lot of people who work in elementary schools right. uh, who, who, are, who are with and exposed to these, um, to, to kids birth to 12 every day. And, um, you know, there's, we, if you think about the past year, we have gone from, well, kids can't get it. Remember that? Right. Yeah, right. That was interesting. And then right. if well, kids can get it, but they can't give it to adults. Um, and, and so all of these different myths, but you know, the, the reality is, is that kids can get it. Um, you know, for the most part, kids, from what we have seen with the, um, with the prevalence and, what, and what's been reported, um, kids that are healthy, um, that have no pre-existing conditions or anything. Um, right. There, there haven't been any deaths in ch childhood, um, unless there were pre-existing conditions. That's right. Healthy children don't um, don't experience a lethal version of the um, of the COVID. So, right. Right. Yeah. but they they there are deaths in children who get this. Um, multi-system inflammatory syndrome that attacks the heart. Yeah. Uh, there are kids who have died of that. So you don't need to protect children from COVID, but should we protect them against this other um, condition, this other consequence of getting um, the virus? Yeah, that's the, that was the um, syndrome that a student at one of my schools got. Oh, um, really? Yeah, he, uh -huh. uh, the, the, the student had come to school Mm -hmm. elementary school he had come to school every day um so he started experiencing some problems and everything went to the hospital was diagnosed with mis and mm -hmm. um so they're saying he had covid had absolutely no symptoms of covid we had no idea he'd been coming to school every day right but it was the mis that he that he that um that he had problems with he, he recovered and he came back he went back home and he came back to right. school but it's, it's a, a huge issue. No, that's the problem in children is MIS, you know, and, and what, what we've also learned is that the, the, where adult vaccination rates are high, transmission rates in children are low. So the best way to protect children 
from whatever, whether it's MIS or COVID, is for the adults around them to get vaccinated. Yeah. Right? Um, so that's the birth to 12 group. And, and uh, there, there are a number of articles now appearing about whether you should or whether you shouldn't. Um, the other group are teenagers, uh, teenagers and young adults. So we have birth to 12, and then we have teens to young adults. And the problem here is there are some cases of um, heart problems, mm -hmm. heart muscle problems, um, after the vaccine. I guess uh, uh, several hundred cases have been reported. Um, and the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices is going to have a meeting uh, this coming week um, to uh, study this uh, correlation between, mighty, uh, between this, these heart muscle problems and the vaccine to see if there is a relationship and what that relationship might be. Right. Okay. So the, the, the vaccinations and the uncertainty about children is a little bit more complex, a little less clear. Right. Um, in adults, it's fairly clear, get, vac get a vaccination, um, get both doses. With children, it's a little more complicated and we're still studying it. Um, and, and we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to decide um, over the next few months, I think the summer is gonna be a good test ground right. for not wearing masks in school and then to see what the, uh, what the rates of infection are. Absolutely, and, and I think that, um, you know, as wrapping up this whole, uh, the whole issue of, of uncertainty and how uncertainty is contributing to the anxiety we feel <clears throat> is there, are the ridiculous things, right? Um, <sighs> I, I'm surprised to hear some of the things that people that I know who are smart people who, who, um, who come up with some of these things like, you know, that, um, that the, the vaccines have, that Bill Gates it was, right, has put microchips in the, in the vaccines or that, you know, getting the shots leaves metal um, in, your, in your system um, after you get the shot. It's, uh, it's, it's remarkable the, the types of things that people will say or, or believe that prevent them from looking at the science and, and the, the reality of what's happening around us. You know, there was a, an, actually a physician who testified, I think in Ohio, about this magnetism business. I mean, I don't, I know where this stuff comes from. My mom said, I don't know where this stuff, I know where it comes from. Um, and she testified that, yeah, you can get, metal will stick to your body <laughs> after you get a vaccine. And now there's a whole series of TikTok videos of, um, um, people showing that, yeah, look, look, this stuck to my arm. And somebody said, yeah, if you smear slime or honey on your arm, uh, the, the quarter will stick to it or the nickel will stick to it. Um, there's nothing in the vaccine that, that has metal in it. So you can't, it can't do that because there's nothing in it that's magnetic. It's like putting a piece of cotton on your arm. Right. It's not going to do that. But, but this, this stuff, these conspiracy theories, make people anxious, make people uncertain. Right, and, and why, why would it be different for the vaccines for the metal than it would be for any other shot that you get? <laughs> right, right, right. They're non-ferrous substances. They're not gonna do that. Right. So, anyway, so we have uncertainty about all about vaccines and am I gonna be safe? A second reason we're uncertain, we've never done this before. Right. Uh, the last time we did this was 1918. 
And so nobody, nobody is alive today who went through that. But we had uh, variants in 1918, 1919. It was the variant that was the most lethal. Okay. So we've done this before, but nobody was alive who did this before. And so we're doing this. We are quite literally feeling our way through this. um, And we are sort of um, testing things to see what works, uh, testing things to see if there's a relationship. We simply don't know. We've never done this before. And so that creates anxiety. And the third reason there's anxiety is because we're all tired. Yeah. We're depleted. We're, I mean, everybody is exhausted. Everybody's suffering from some, depending on how directly you were affected by this virus. In Florida, we, we continued doing our work in Florida. You know, we were able to go online. Okay. We were fortunate because we were able to continue our work. You were able to continue your work in the schools. Right. Okay. But there were many people who were, who were really locked down and locked out. And they had a very different experience. And so, um, so but, but to one, if you were locked down, you have anxiety because you were isolated. If you were able to work, you have anxiety because you were exposing yourself to danger every day, okay? And so different people have different reasons, but we all have reasons to be anxious. We all have reasons. We're, we're exhausted by this thing. It's been a very long year. We've had the pandemic, we've had social unrest, and we have the election nightmare that continues and continues, you know, and there's all that business about who's president of the United States. I mean, it, all this adds to the anxiety. Okay. So there's three reasons why we have the anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so let's think a little bit about how we should handle some of this anxiety because, um, you know, there's a, we feel a lot of discomfort. We feel a lot of stress. We feel a lot of um, anxiety related to this uncertainty that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So, um, Let's, let's talk a little bit about how maybe we should handle some of this anxiety. That's right. And the, the first thing is that there are still people out there. So even though you and I might re-enter the world, we have to remember that there are people who, no matter what, are not able to re-enter. And, and the, the, most, uh, the largest group is anybody who is immune system compromised, the, the immunocompromised still are not going to be free to do whatever they want. If you have an immune system problem, if you're being treated for some disease that that reduces your immune response, you're still going to have to be very, very careful. And the people around you are going to have to be very, very careful. So yeah, there's a good reason to feel some anxiety if there's a possibility that you're going to be around people who are immunocompromised. Right. Yeah, another thing that we have to keep in mind related to the anxiety is that because everything has been virtual, because we have been remote for so long, um, sometimes our social skills are a little bit rusty. You know, we, we don't really have, we haven't really honed those skills for the past year. So, you know, keeping in mind that, um, that not only are our social skills a little bit rusty, but so are other people's. And so people's, right. Mm-hmm. How communicating with each other, how we're interacting you know, that, that nervousness when you go to shake somebody's hand and then, oh, wait, do I sit a fist bump or do I do an elbow or what am I doing? Everybody's experiencing that. And right. the more times we put ourselves in those situations, the more comfortable we get with it. But mm-hmm. that uncertainty and that, that nervousness is going to be there at the beginning. Yeah, people who are a little, you know, if you think about the spectrum from a little bit shy to severe social anxiety. So we have the spectrum of people. Um, you don't have to have social anxiety 
a, a diagnosis of social anxiety to be reluctant to re-enter. If you're a little bit shy, uh, many people, um, and, and you and I, I'm sure you had school-aged children who said, I'm glad I don't have to go to school because I don't, I'm not gonna get bullied. I'm not gonna get teased. I don't have to worry about how I look. I don't have to worry about what clothes I have. They were happy not, but now they have to re-enter. Now they have to face their, uh, the, the demons again. So um, even for those kids who are a little bit shy or a little bit insecure, um, they enjoyed the isolation. Now they have to re-enter. Um, and then you have people who do have diagnosable anxiety disorders, and it's, been ex- it's going to be extremely difficult for them to re-enter, okay? So we all are rusty, um, but, but some of us are going to have a much harder time re-entering than others. Yeah, and so it's very important that we sort of normalize that. We recognize, okay, everybody's feeling this. Everybody's a little bit uncertain. Everybody's feeling a little bit awkward. Um, and so, you know, sort of normalize it by accepting it and um, acknowledging it mm-hmm. and um, laughing about it. You know, laughing about it can be a, a great right. mm-hmm. to, to go, uh, overcome it. But um, the more that we deny it, the more that it's going to, to accelerate and, and increase. So Right. And I, I think I really like that last phrase of normalizing the uncertainty. We are all feeling a little uncertain. We're feeling a little awkward. Um, and and go ahead, go ahead and admit that. And because we're all to one, to some extent, we're all going to be struggling with re-entry. So go ahead and laugh about it. You know, I you know, you you're right. You reach you reach out your hand, you know, should I shake hand? Does this person want to be touched? You know, and so go ahead and laugh about it. You know, it's going to take us a while to get what might, some people might refer to as get our sea legs back. You know, it takes a little bit of time. So don't, don't fret too much about it. We're all struggling. Absolutely. So it's going to feel awkward at first. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of different ways to, to do this, whether it's, you know, starting out with family, starting out with friends, starting out at the grocery store. Um, it, it, I went up to one of my schools the other day, even though it's um, summertime and there were people up there. And so I went in and I, I didn't wear a mask there. And so it was, you know, just kind of getting accustomed to that a little bit because I knew there would only be a few people there. Right. And mm-hmm. I knew that the people that were there had their vaccines. Um, and so it's, but it's, you know, still a little bit, it's just towing into the water just a little bit, but uh, so right. you don't have to jump in. At- no, uh-uh. no, there's no hurry, you know. Um, and and she talks about there are many points of reentry for many people. Uh, it doesn't affect us in Florida as much, but if you live in a city, you're going to have your first subway ride, right. your first bus ride, your first Uber, your first you know you reenter the office. You go into stores again. You go to bars and restaurants again. So there are going to be many, many times, many um, venues. Um, you know, is it okay to go to sporting events? Right. You know, when I go to sp- so there are many ways you're going to be re-entered, and each is going to have its challenges. Right. So don't be in any hurry, and it's going to recur. And, and be okay with the fact that you're going to be rusty. You know, it's okay. Right. Um, right. You're going to get those skills back. You're going to you're going to remember. Oh, that's right. That's how I do that. That's why we do. That's right. That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. You'll right. recalibrate. You'll get back to it. Um, because mm-hmm. we all need social interactions. Yeah. Right. We need to share it with others. We need to receive it from others. We 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 all need that. And so, um, getting back to that is is really important. 
just don't don't rush um you know let mm-hmm. your body body adjust to it and yeah your the, the your brain will recalibrate i mean it's, it's going to take time but it'll recalibrate but remember each time you enter a new situation you're going to have to adjust to the new situation whether it's going into a, a restaurant without a mask or going into a doctor no matter where you go getting on public transportation flying in an airplane i have to take at least three trips sometime this year and i am not i am very anxious about getting on an airplane you know i i I don't is it really safe people say oh yeah it's not a problem that doesn't cure my anxiety yet right okay right so but i'm going to have to deal with it. it it's worth it's probably worth pushing yourself. If you're fully vaccinated, you have both doses, you're fully vaccinated, you're probably safe. Right. At, at, because the, the variants haven't arrived in um, troublesome numbers yet, okay? So in the United States. So you're, it's probably okay, but you're still gonna be a bit anxious. Right. Yeah. And I think that this brings us to another point that, that we should make, and that is, you know, the again, we kind of go back to the American Psychological Association, um, and, and they're talking about this idea of <laughs> second pandemic. Um, I love, yeah. It's like, okay, but, but before we get nervous about that, the second pandemic is the stress, right? Mm-hmm. Is is the the aftermath of COVID nineteen and how we're responding to it, and mm-hmm. and while that physical threat has been addressed, while we while we've dealt with, or you know, we're in the process of dealing with. The, the physical threat of the virus and all of that. Now we have the stress that comes from all of the aftermath, whether it's the, um, uh, the, the re-entry stuff that we've been talking about or, 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 or just the, the physical and emotional consequences of the past year. Right. Um, you know, the, the past year has changed us physically, psychologically. It, it's changed us in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I like the idea of a second pandemic. We're through the physical, at least in the United States, and we're through the physical part of this, okay? The, the physical threat has really diminished because of the vaccinations, okay? That's, that's, we know that. But now we face the long-term consequences to our physical and mental health because we have both physical and mental health concerns. For example, 42% of adults gained more weight than they intended. The average weight gain was 29 pounds. Right. That's really yeah. significant. Right. You know, um, I, I think I'm under 29. I, I think I'm under 29 pounds, but I'm way over what I wanted. Right. And from a health standpoint, an 11, if you gain 11 pounds, and remember the average is more than twice that. If you gain just 11 pounds, you increase your risk for type two diabetes and heart disease. And if you gain 25 pounds, your stroke, your your risk of stroke increases, okay? So these are not the weight gain, which we sort of laugh about, you know, um, the weight gain um, that that is is the the subject, the object of many jokes that are are circulating um, has serious health consequences. Right. Okay. And we're, you're going to have to deal with that. Um, AARP, which you don't know about yet, um, they published a, they pu- in one of their recent publications, they listed a whole, um, there were pages and pages, article after article, about getting this stuff under control, which would be particularly 
important for people age 50 and over, okay, that we got to come to terms with this stuff. Absolutely. And weight gain is one thing, but, you know, about a quarter uh, of people are drinking more alcohol than they were uh, over before the pandemic. Um, and about two thirds of people are getting less sleep. Sleep, right. Mm-hmm. Huge issue. Um, right. And, and then just access to services. You know, people, uh, there, there's, a, um, there's a comedian on that has a show on Netflix. And one of the things he, he talks about is, um, you know, he scheduled, a, he had, a, he had a, an appointment uh, um, back in March of last year and it got postponed and he hasn't had the, had the appointment yet. Um, right. Because, you know, there was a year or so that, how do you go to the doctor? Um, you know, is, does it make sense for what I'm going through to have a virtual session with, a, with your doctor? And, and so there's a lot of canceled or postponed healthcare um, um, services and, and appointments. So it's, you know, there's a lot of other things, not just weight gain, but more alcohol, less sleep, um, not, a, not as much health care. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of things happen. You know, Bernie, you remember when I, uh, when I had my surgery back a few years ago yeah. and how, the, the pain that I remember because you and I would do podcasts and I'd have to get up right. during, because of the pain. Had that happened this past year, I would have had to delay that surgery right. and live with that pain. Right. And you know, you know how yeah. acute it was because you were we were seeing each other every day then. Yeah. Um, uh, but other, you know, but there are other diseases where time is really, really important. Absolutely. Okay. And there are people who have had diagnostic procedures delayed mm-hmm. while the disease. And, and unbeknownst to them, the disease was active, okay? So these are not insignificant issues, but they add to the stress. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? Yeah, so. and so, um, so I think one way that we will sort of pull the podcast together and kind of wrap up is talking about, um, you know, we've talked about the stress and anxiety and all of these things um, that, have, that we're experiencing. Um, and so maybe talk a little, we can talk a little bit about what it looks like. So we know if we, if, you know, you yourself is experiencing any of these things or if somebody else is experiencing these things, um, and what impact this is having on us. Um, and, and this is another article from the, um, American Psychological Association about the psychological impact of of COVID-19 and how do we recognize some of those things. And you talked about anxiety. If, if you think you're struggling, if you're, if you're struggling with anxiety, it's, it's a persistent, excessive worry, okay? It goes on and on and on, and it's excessive. It's way beyond what it should be. Um, you look- have difficulty concentrating, you have sleep problems, and you're just sort of generally on edge. Right. That suggests that it might be an anxiety problem, and you should probably seek advice or help. Right. And most of the time, a person recognizes that the anxiety is, is excessive. Mm-hmm. They'll mm-hmm. say things like, I know I don't need to worry about this as much as I do, but I can't help it. I, I, right, right. I just can't get rid of this feeling, you know. So, so yeah, that, that probably you're struggling with a little anxiety, and you may want to get some assistance. Right. Now, that compared to like a panic attack, a panic attack is like a sudden, like, right. Um, attack. We use attack for that purpose. Um, it's like it, it, it comes upon a person um, and it has physical um, physical characteristics, so sweating and shaking and difficulty breathing and mm-hmm. 
those kinds of things, your, your heart rate significantly increases. And um, there's like this feeling of dread or um, fear of that you're gonna have a heart attack. Another one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but it's a sudden, um, sudden onset. And, and it is very, um, very clear and delineated from, from other functioning. Um, right. but you're anxious, but then you have a panic attack and you know that's different than the anxiety. Right, right. And then, then there's signs of depression. And with depression, I think the key with depression is there's some significant change that occurs, either a weight gain or you're not sleeping. There's some significant difference. And I think that's a sign that it might be depression. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the bigger predictor, predictors of depression, you know, is that certainly it's sadness, um, but it's also the, the difficulty finding pleasure in anything, even things right. that we usually find pleasure in. That's, that's something called anhedonia, right. um, um, feelings of worthlessness. Um, and, and then, you know, of many times people with experiencing depression will have thoughts about death or suicide. Right. And one of the biggest risks for that is a, is a feeling of hopelessness or helplessness. Mm-hmm. Like right. when, you, when you feel as though this is the way that things are and it's never going to change, it's never going to get better. Um, that's when, you know, we really get concerned about some of those feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so um, be careful with all four. Okay. There it's all, it's all scary, but remember most of us are going through this over half report that they're having these feelings. So it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's not, it's, you're not the only one uh, struggling with these issues. But as I said, I, I have to take some airplane flights and I'm a little bit anxious about those. And we have to, we're gonna be returning to work and we're all a little bit anxious about that. Uh, none of our clothes fit anymore. We're a little bit anxious about that. I, I don't, <laughs> there's a funny, funny commercial that I saw yesterday. Where two people, it was a, for chewing gum or something. And these two people come out and he's got a beard and hair and he's in his bathrobe. They're in a public park, but he's still, he's still dressed like he's not having to go out. And, and, but it's true. We're all going to be struggling for a while. Okay. Eventually our brains are going to recalibrate and we're going to get used to a new set of circumstances. But in the meantime, it's, go, you know, we're going to be a little bit, we're going to be a little bit down. We're going to be a little bit anxious uh, we might have some panic attacks, but help, you know, we're all going through it together. So push through it, get the help that you need, stay close to others, rely on family and friends, um, but, but get help if you need it. If you get stuck, particularly if you get stuck, um, get, get help somewhere. Yeah, that's the, that's the big key is that if you're experiencing any of those signs of anxiety or panic attacks or depression or suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts or anything like that, Get, get some help, you know, there's lots of, one positive that has come out of all of this is the uh, increased availability of um, therapeutic services through through teletherapy and things like that. So yeah. get, get yeah. some help and talk to somebody um, and, and work through some of that because it's temporary yeah. um, and, you know, we will get back to feeling a little bit more at ease about things. Right, and, and at the very least, you're right, Bernie, at the very least, if you're concerned, call and say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Am, am I, is, is this abnormal? Okay, do I need to worry? And in most cases, it's gonna be no, this is normal, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, in other cases, it's gonna be yes, it sounds like you're stuck, so let's get together a few times. Mm-hmm. And so, in either way is okay. Either way. Not a problem, yeah. All right. Yeah, we're all gonna go through it. 
Yes, definitely. So, all right. Well, that is it for today. Until mm -hmm. next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. Thank you.